Football on the Sports Social Podcast Network is brought to you by BetVictor, where new signings are guaranteed a great debut. Join and choose your welcome offer at betvictor.com. 18 plus, begambleaware.org. NFL Sunday Ticket is now on YouTube and YouTube TV, which means that it just got easier to be an NFL fan, even if you live far away. Like, maybe you like the Bears, but you're hibernating in Panthers territory. But with NFL Sunday Ticket, your out-of-market team is never more than a short distance away. Specifically, the distance from you to your remote control. NFL Sunday Ticket, now on YouTube and YouTube TV. Go to youtube.com slash presale to get $50 off. Terms and embargoes apply. Offer ends 919. No refund. Subscription auto renews. Hi, everyone. What's up? Chelsea fans, I hope you're all feeling good. This is Xavier Mbuyamba, and you're listening to the Blue Day Podcast. Enjoy. Welcome back, my friends, to the podcast of Never End. Yes, this is the Blue Day podcast, and for Chelsea fans everywhere, every day is a blue day. I am your host, the creator, the man with a face for podcasting, Keith Lawrence, and here again this week is former Chelsea defender Steve Wick. Steve, how are we this fine Sunday afternoon? Yeah, absolutely fine, Keith. Um, it's got a bit colder, but uh, dealing with that... Um... No, but very pleased about the Chelsea result yesterday. I thought they were outstanding. And to uh, beat Leicester uh, 3-0 and have four goals disallowed, I think is incredible. Incredible. Well, as you mentioned it, the weather's getting cold. The weather's getting cold, but I do know that things are heating up in the Premier League. You look at, there was a lot of weird scorelines yesterday, a lot of free threes. And, you know, we're going to touch on Chelsea's performance momentarily but as as we are recording Solskjaer has been sacked I was hoping that he would stay for another week at least but that's not that's not the case but this this season I'm just glad that we're not one of them clubs if you look at how bad Tottenham were a few weeks ago and people were thousands of fans were leaving that stadium even before the final whistle if you look at the way Arsenal have been performing this season hot and cold we're going to touch on Liverpool and Man City as our nearest rivals for the league title. We're going to touch on them in a minute. And then you look at the state of Manchester United. Chelsea, you look at them at this moment in time. My God, what a machine that Tuchel has created. And you look at a game against Leicester City away. We don't have a good record against them at their place. I think the last time we beat them was under Conte. A few years ago, we haven't really done well at their place in the last five, even ten years. Leicester was going to be one of them games where we might drop points. Leicester might sort of catch us on the break a little bit, play on the counter-attack, play to their strengths. Within 10 to 15 minutes, completely changed that. We were absolutely outstanding. I, I I had a few friends that went to the game yesterday. And some of them contacted me once they were travelling back from Leicester. And they said that was arguably the best away performance they've seen all season. And yeah. we've had some great results away from home. But they said performance-wise, everything was just perfect. You look from defensively, how how mature Chalabar looks in the back three with Rudiger and Thiago Silva. How, how much of the midfield work their socks off with James and Chilwell bombing from fullbacks and up front. And the fact that we are missing Lukaku, we are missing Timo Werner. These are the guys that are meant to get us the goals. I'd say probably only against Burnley. We haven't missed them in any other game. No, no Keith, I agree. You know, I think that um, <clears throat> in football, fads are created. Um, and 
Man City started all this with not having a centre forward, not having a focal point. Um, and we, for the last, well, I can't remember how long now, it's got to be over a month, um, have played without a centre forward, like Man City, and it's worked. And it's worked. And to go to Leicester and score three goals and have four goals disallowed, I think it says everything. Yeah, we're coping. Um, and if I was a centre-half now, I'd be looking, thinking, oh, well, who am I marking? Who am I, you know, and the basic teams that, that a little bit can't cope with it. You've got two centre-halves that are looking, thinking, well, who am I picking up? Who am, who am I supposed to mark? Um, and it's worked for Chelsea. And they were outstanding yesterday. And... And I think Chelsea, we've become a machine, but a very attractive machine to watch. Yes. A, a very attractive, and we play some good football. Uh, and I think that um, the big thing in this whole championship thing, I think, as far as I'm concerned, is the African championships, where Liverpool all of a sudden lose Mane and Salah. Yeah. So I look, I'm looking, I'm thinking, if we can keep our form going, that will limit us to us or Man City. And also, if, when you look at the African Cup of Nations, we will be missing Mendy as well, because he'll be away for, for the month. But but that's where your mate comes in. That's where my mate comes in. Well, yeah. It, if if he proves if he proves me wrong within the month, then fair play. You know, I think he will... He he seems a different goalkeeper to what he was when he first arrived, and I think that's because the spotlight isn't on him week in week out. He's obviously got competition which he's thriving on, and he knows that he's not going to be number one. But it'll be interesting, as you say. You know, Liverpool going to miss two of their most influential players in in the month of January, and it's important for us that we get the points now whereas coming up to the Christmas period where we've got a tough run of fixtures I think in the month of January alone I think we've got Liverpool City and Tottenham in in, in the month of January all in between FA Cup fixtures so that will be a very tough month in, in January so at the moment we yes, we should be looking further afield about what's what's going to come up, where you know, who who are we going to be playing January February. But looking at it now, again, I, I I was I was massively impressed. I was really impressed with how we played against Leicester. Leicester, I thought, was going to be our bogey side. They, if you look at the run of fixtures that we had, and we kept getting win after win after win. Yes, performances might not have been there, but we was winning every week. Burnley, we cocked up on, and it was a bad cock-up. But against Leicester, you thought, well, we might drop points to that. We were unbelievably good. And you we're now getting goals from all over the pitch. You know, centre-backs are getting goals. The likes of Rudiger getting goals. Chalobah getting goals. You look at our midfield, Kante having a run and scoring... Quite a magnificent finish, by the way. It weren't sort of like a scuffed shot. It was he actually he absolutely meant that. And then you've got the subs that come on and make an impact. Pulisic coming on, and I I haven't been his biggest fan recently. I think that the his his performances and form need to be improved. But he comes on and scores a goal, and it was a it was a very neat finish. So. At this moment, Chelsea are looking very, very strong indeed. And I I, I I, said at the start of the season, I think Chelsea will win something this season. I think Chelsea have got the capabilities. Tuchel in charge. He knows what he wants to do. And I think the, not only does the present look bright for Chelsea, but I think the future looks bright for Chelsea, especially when you look at Mason Mount maturing even more. Reese James, my God, Reese James looked unbelievably brilliantly yesterday he just looked he just looked a player on on another planet in terms of his quality 
and then I'm getting a little bit ahead of myself and I'm getting a little bit excited to see where Conor Gallagher's going to come into this team, where Billy Gilmore's going to come into this team. And is it going to be a case where, and this is sort of armchair predicting, but Kante could be getting to the point where he's going to be 32, 33. Jorginho, could he be a case where he might want a new challenge? You've got two midfielders in Gallagher and Gilmore. I would say they can easily slot into that Chelsea midfield. I know it's sort of going too far forward, but you look at Chelsea now, normally when Chelsea are looking quite good, you think, oh, there's always going to be a downturn. There's always going to be a bit where Chelsea are going to cuck up, um, cock up and there's going to be issues with players. You look at the players coming through, they're looking equally as strong. And as you say, we're scoring goals without our main man, Lukaku. What will happen when Lukaku does come back and we're playing as we are with Reese James, our top goal scorer in the Premier League, which is quite <laughs> a feat in itself. Yeah. I, think, I, I think this season, Chelsea are going to be very, very hard to beat for that Premier League title. Yeah. Yeah, I think so. I think, I think listen, I... When you look at the young, let's answer your question about the young kids. <clears throat> you know, Connor, you know, Connor is a fantastic footballer. He's a <clears throat> he's a defensive. He's an attacking. He's a box to box midfield player. Um, and I look at him as a natural successor to Cantor. I look at him and think he's got the ability to sit in there. Now, I know it sounds strange, but he could offer even more because he gets forward and he gets back. And this is what I've been saying about you know, Mason Mount over the... He's more than a, a 10. He's more, he could be a number eight and he could start things off and he, you can trust him. He'd get back behind the ball, he'd defend, and I think... There's so much potential to the squad. Chalabar. You know, if I look at him at the moment and look at all his attributes and I look at Harry Maguire at the moment, who's <laughs> effectively a, you know, probably first or second pick on the England team. And I look what Chalabar has to offer. I think it's unbelievable. I really do. And... Um, you know, and I, I do say about Chelsea in England over and over again, but no, it's great for England that Chelsea are bringing these people through that I think will eventually play, play for their country. And I think, you know, we're doing England a fantastic service. But being totally selfish, our squad now is getting stronger and stronger and stronger because of the young talent that have been nurtured properly by the club their, their, their whole philosophy with regards to the young players, get them out, get them out on loan, let them learn their trade the hard way. Um, you know, Billy Gilmore hasn't played for the last, I don't know how many games. And he played yesterday and he was absolutely outstanding. Yeah. You know, yeah. Um, you know, Conor Gallagher has been probably Crystal Palace's best player this season. Yeah. But they're learning their trade. They aren't getting lost in the under-23 games or under-21 games, whatever they play. Mm. They are learning their trades the hard way. And that's good for Chelsea because they are quality players, these kids. And the academy at Chelsea is, I think, the most successful academy in the whole Premier League by a light year. Well, I'm glad you said that because I, I, was, I didn't see the Liverpool-Arsenal game yesterday. I was, I was sorting some other bits out. But I saw the aftermath of it and I was hearing Jamie Carragher, who I didn't like as a player, you know, decent defender, but I, I didn't like him as a player and I certainly don't like him as a pundit. He turned around and made a comment and I, I, and I, I won't quote it because I, I can't remember word for word what he said, but he turned around and said that Liverpool have a great history of producing good young players, unlike Chelsea and Man City. And I looked at that and I thought, OK, He's very, but you know, he's very biased towards Liverpool, which is fair enough, and that's what Sky wants to have on their channels. That's fine. Uh, 
has he not seen Reese James recently? Has he not seen Andrus Christensen recently? Has he not seen people like Hudson Adoy, who are who looks more sort of he's got a point to prove. Yes, there's games he's disappeared from, but he's still one of two calls players that he wants to rely on. He started yesterday and he did do he did do all right, Callum, I thought yesterday. But you've got players like Gilmore, you've got players like Gallagher, as you said, and I just look at I just you know, read and listen to Carragher's comments. And he, he he's not the only one. There's other people that have made asinine comments about Chelsea this season. And I just think, really, you've just... You, you say you have a clue, you think you have a clue, but in reality, you haven't. You know, mm. Paul Scholes made a comment, and I know probably there's nobody listening to this podcast that is a Paul Scholes fan. But he turned around and said that Man United have got a better defence than Chelsea. I, I bet he wouldn't say that now. Well, he'll probably yeah. turn around and say that... He'll probably come up with with an excuse because they all do up there. They they always come up with excuses. They, you know, they, they don't put any blame to anybody apart from their owners. But I just look at people that make certain comments about Chelsea, not just Chelsea, I'm talking about in general. We're top of the league. We've come up against some tough teams away from home and we've outplayed them for most of the game in them in them games. We've only lost to Man City at home. We dropped points against Burnley, which was a, which was a bit of a cock-up. But other than that, we've been very good results-wise. We've got a huge game against Juventus coming up on Tuesday, which I'll be going to. Massive game in the Champions League. And it's just people I don't believe. And Jose said it a few years ago, and he was looking back now, he was obviously right. Chelsea do not get enough respect from general people, from the media, from outsiders. And that's fine. You know, Chelsea fans, they know, they get it. They they see Chelsea week in, week out. We don't need people's approval. We don't need people's admiration. We'll just go out on the pitch and win every week. But it just makes me laugh when Chelsea are doing so well we beat Leicester 3-0, bearing in mind Leicester beat us in the FA Cup final last season, and it weren't so long ago that Leicester won the Premier League. That doesn't get mentioned. We beat them 3-0, and it's like, oh, OK. No, but Keith, Keith, when you become champions of Europe, and we are champions of Europe, people look at us in a different way. Now, throughout Chelsea's history, if you look at it, the amount of young players, going back to the dock, with Venables, Graham, Harris, you know, all those young players coming through. Then then you go through to Dave Sexton, where Alan Hudson, who was one of the finest players ever to put an England, uh, sorry, Chelsea shirt on. Um, you know, they, you know, the Ray Wilkins, you know, the, the the team I was lucky enough to play play for, it was all based on the youth coming through the youth system. Mm. Chelsea have got one of the best and always have given youth a chance. Now, what's happened is they've become a business within a business. Yeah. That whole, um, the way they run the academy is, and I've said to you over and over again, every player that leaves Chelsea, Tamori, I guarantee you that Chelsea have a buyback, the first buyback on him. So although they sell him and they make their money, if he does well, they will buy him back. They'll be the, they will have the first option to buy him back. The way they run their club is absolutely exceptional. And when you look at the, the quality players that have come through, and I mean quality players, that have come through that academy, well, it's unbelievable. We are by far, and Jamie Carragher, quite frankly, he's talking out of his backside. Our club has produced the most outstanding young footballers, and we should be proud of that. Oh, you look at Mason Mount. And I, and I, I, I forgot, know I forgot to mention him. Okay. I know where he can stuff his liver bird because he's talking twaddle. It was partly a little rant on my part. You know, I haven't been myself for the last 24 hours. <laughs> yes, Chelsea are top of the league, but personally, I haven't been myself. So that's past. I'll, I'll, I'll let that have just be the rant for the week. But a huge game, huge games coming up 
between now and the end of the month, we've got Juventus at home, as I've mentioned, and we've got, ironically, Manchester United uh, next Sunday. Oh, that'll be an interesting game now. But start with Juventus, Steve, in Champions League. It's a it's a massive game because if we win, I believe we overtake them in the league table, which is which is important going into the last match day. And also, I think it's a little bit of redemption from how they beat us at, at their place. Because, and I've said this before, this Juventus team is one of the worst Juventus teams I've seen in a long time. And we should have beat them at Turin. That was probably one of the worst performances I've seen Chelsea have for the last year. And I'm expecting a very tough game on Tuesday. But again, the way we're playing, I can't see Tuchel changing too much from the team from yesterday, especially personnel. And tactically, I don't think Juventus will cope with how we attack, personally. No, well, <clears throat> I agree to a certain extent. But the one thing I've learned in my, in my life as a, a football player and fan is that the Italians have an unbelievable way of getting through these games, whether they're dour, whether they're defensive, whether... It's a tough game, <clears throat> and they will ask us questions. And I, I, I believe that we can beat them, and I, I think we can. But I think it's going to be a very, very hard game, and it, they will come probably and play what I call parasite football, play off our mistakes, play on the counter attack, um, and it will be us pressing and pressing. And I think it's really important, you know, winning your group. So that the next stage you aren't playing the top seeds. And I think that that puts added pressure. So I think it's really important that we win this group. We beat Juventus. And I think we can. And I think we will. But it's one of those games where we've, we've, we've got into a situation where we've got to win. They'll be happy with a draw. Yes. And that's when the, that's yeah. when the Italians are the most dangerous. Mm. Good point. And it will also be interesting from a uh, Chelsea fan's perspective, seeing how Quadrado does and Morata does, you know, being former Chelsea players that didn't make the cut at Chelsea. They, you know, the, whether it was lack of game time or lack of form, it will be interesting how they get on against Juventus. And I, I will remember the last time we played Juventus at Stamford Bridge when Oscar scored two sublime goals. I was there that night. Matthew Harding lower and we drew 2-2 or 2-0 up and Juve got back into it but I'll have memories of that night sort of with me on Tuesday and I just hope that we play the same sort of level of intensity as how we have done over the last few games and you just look at where we are at the moment trophies aren't sort of handed out now but my god you look at how we play and I have mentioned this before. There's no European side that frightens me at the moment. Bayern look okay, but then they'll they they'll have an off day. PSG, see how they get on against a top top European side. See how they do defensively. We know what we get from the English Premier League clubs. Serie A, there's no one there that frightens me. La Liga, don't get me started on that. We'll be here for another few hours talking about how bad they've become. And I just feel that we've got a very good chance this year. I, I don't know what it is, whether it's me with the Chelsea tinted glasses on. I don't know, but yeah, that, Tuesday I, I, will be very interesting. Yeah, I think that's a big game on Tuesday. I think that can help us. If we win and we qualify as winners of that group, that makes our life very easy. But having said that, we're the type of club that can beat anyone. And to me, the only teams that scare me in this whole competition are Liverpool, Man City and PSG. And then there's a little bit of a gap and there's Bayern Munich. But never before have we gone into a Champions League and not feared, Barcelona, Madrid, times are changing. Mm. And the Premier League, I watched the match of the day last night, <clears throat> and there's not a league in the world 
that will have that much drama. No. It was unbelievable last night. And anybody on their day can beat anybody. That's Watford group. I'm glad you've mentioned that. We're going to touch on to our next league game. We're going to preview it now to round off the show. Chelsea Man United next Sunday. Again, I'll be going to that one. I'm gutted Ollie has gone. I would have wanted Ollie to be at the helm next Sunday and then seeing how we get on against him. Then, then he could get sacked. You'll be very cool, Keith Lawrence. That was my plan. That, that was my hope. Isn't there anything about you that feels quite sorry for him? For Ollie? Absolutely not, no. Uh, listen, a couple of things. He's conducted himself very well. He's always faced the music. He's always got in front of those cameras. He's always talked. He's never hidden. He's talked. Um, he was thrown in the deep end. He did have an element of success in bringing it all together a little bit. But you know something? He doesn't look a bad guy. He actually, to me, has come across really well. And there's been loads of people loving to have a go at him. And yet, I don't know, when, when these things happen, I do feel a little bit of comp compassion towards him. I don't think he's a nasty guy. Uh, I think he's a little bit out, out of his depth. Um, but Man United, what I don't want is them to have appointed their manager before we play them. Well, the way they've announced it, um, as we are recording, they're going to have an interim guy in charge. The guy who obviously they're looking for, whether it's Zidane or somebody else, even Pochettino, they're not going to be available until the summer. Yeah. So, it does, so it looks as if it could be Carrick or it could be somebody else from within their United family or whatever. But it just would have been nice, you know, having Ollie at the wheel, unintended. Oh. Why don't you, know, you him when he's down? Why don't you? Why don't you hammer him when he's down? There he is. Poor old, yeah. I I just hate Man United. I can't stand them, and it, it's a shame because. And also, I did hear there was there was a certain rumor that Chelsea are looking to speak to the FA about appealing Harry Maguire's red card. Now, whether or not they'll get um, something with that, I don't know. What a shame that he got said. This is the, uh, I'm sorry, but this is a guy who has played for his country. He's obviously off the field. He had a bit of an issue last season. And I just feel he, he's the most one of the most overrated defenders I've ever seen on a football field. And a guy I know mentioned about Cristiano Ronaldo, he said about Juventus, under Ronaldo, Juventus sacked three coaches. Well... Yeah. Cristiano Ronaldo was there. Ronaldo's been back at United. They've already sacked Ole Gunnar Solskjaer. Juventus financially are partly better off because they haven't got the Ronaldo wages to deal with. And allegedly, from what I've heard from uh, Italy, the Juventus camp is a lot happier now that Ronaldo's gone. He's gone to Manchester United. And I think the writing was on the wall as soon as Ronaldo turned up because you look at someone like Ole... And you might disagree with, with this, Steve, but you said about he, him being a nice guy. Yeah, he might smile nine times out of ten. Nice as he don't win the trophies. No, no. You no. look at Klopp. You look at Guardiola. You look at Tuchel. Those are three guys who I would, if I was a, a manager who has got the ump and I would vent out my frustration, if I've got them three harping on at me on the other side, I'll be okay. I might shut up. With Ollie, nah, absolutely not. And I just think United job. You, you, you've said it. The United job was too big for him. Yeah, he was out. He was out of his depth. He was out of his depth from 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 the moment he got there. But you just look at that squad. They've got great individual players. They're not a team. No, 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 no. I, I, I think every team needs a general. Um and. I look at Manchester United and I think it's a political, you know, David De Gea last night on his interview was an absolute disgrace. <laughs> I, think absolute I, know what, I think I know what you're going to say, yeah. Because what he did was he made out that players don't know what they're meant to do 
that was disgraceful. He was kicking his manager where it hurt. Unbelievably, he was an absolute disgrace. And I hope against us, ball goes through his legs. <laughs> he makes 10 ricks because he should look at himself and be absolutely disgusted with that interview. And what was quite sad is the guy that scored the winning goal, and I'm a bit compassionate on things like this. He scored the winning goal when they won the Champions League. And he's gone over to his own supporters. And I think they knew, and I think he knew at that time when he went over, that's it, I'm out, I'm, I'm done. Yeah. And he got booed. Mm. And I find that really sad. Really it's sad. sad, but it's modern day but football. He, yeah, but he walked away with seven and a half million quid. So there is a compensation it, in all Exactly. This. Should so when it comes to that um... so I'm talking about the compassion side and the you know, because footballers, believe it or not, when you're in that situation, the finance mean nothing because they're these financial secure secure anyway. Hmm. So when he goes to that and he's been and he loves Man United and he's done what he's done with Man United. And he goes over and basically says goodbye. He gets booed. I find that quite sad. But there you go. That's me. That's probably, you know, why I, I don't know. I just find it a little bit sort of, he was always going to go. It was, he was all, it was always, that job was always a step too big for him. I think he was always going to go. There was going to come a point where the longer he did win a trophy, the worse it was going to get. Unlike Chelsea, whereby we change managers and for for one reason or whatever, people will probably know this. Will probably know it, but we change managers, we win trophies. Other other clubs change managers, they get worse. And it is sad to see somebody lose a job. But as you say, he's getting seven and a half million quid, whereas somebody has to worry about their mortgage and worry about their what their family's going to eat. Who's a Frank thing, Keith? Wasn't it? It was the Man- Man- Manchester United equivalent to Frank, really. Yeah, if 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 you look at it from that point, yes, it was similar to what what yeah. Frank Lampard went through, being an ex-player, ex-legend of current legend of the club, and he mm. becomes a manager. And certain players stop playing for you, and you saw that with Manchester United, but and you also saw that with Chelsea, and you and you've seen that with Chelsea before. With managers yeah. like Mourinho and Chelotti to an extent, certainly Scolari and AVB, and even under Conte a little bit with certain players, and even certain players have re- have come out over the past few years and said that they had issues with Conte. And it's unfortunately it's modern day football, but uh, yeah, but you know he, he's like the Italian Mourinho, isn't he? Um, you know, with all due respect, he, every job he has lasts for two years. You know, and then he starts having problems. Do you remember the debacle when we played Man City? And oh, played... we got tonked. We got abs- we we, we got with... our backside spanked that day. Yes, and we didn't play with the centre forward. We didn't play with anyone up front. We just yeah. played midfield, and mm. and we got absolutely. You know, to me that was like, yeah, everyone says. And he's obviously a good manager. But his lifespan is two years. If you're lucky, maybe three years. Well, I think the one thing that they're not going to do is copy the model of us. And they should, because we've been hugely successful over the last few years comparing to other clubs. And I've already said it, we are the pride of London. We are the best team in London in terms of trophies in terms of performances and as a few people have said in the past imagine not being Chelsea yeah and I'm going to look forward to next Sunday whether or not Carrick or an interim manager is still going to be in charge well if it's Carrick then good luck to him but I'm I I'll be heading to the bridge on next Sunday expecting a win I'll be hugely annoyed. I'll probably like many thousands of people that will be going if we don't win. And I just think you need to stick the knife in. They are a wounded animal. 
Yeah, I we, agree. We, we've just, next week, we've just got to put them down. Put them to sleep permanently. Yeah. That's what I, I think. Listen, I, I totally agree. And I, I, for what it's worth, it's character in charge because I've seen Ollie and I've seen that bench and I've looked at that bench on the TV and I'm looking where the inspiration's coming from and they just sit there and they, you know, with all due respects, there's not a lot going on. So I hope Carrick is in charge. Uh, I, I do. And I hope that... Um, and I think we win. I, I, I don't think there's any doubt we will not win. Well, I was just going to say, Tuchel has been our inspiration since, he, since he's come in. He, he's, he has won me over as a Chelsea fan. He's won many fans over with the style of football he's implemented with Chelsea and the fact that he did win us the Champions League for the second time. So... At the moment, things are all rosy. I'm hoping nothing will cock up anytime soon, especially not this season. This is a great chance for us to win the league this season. And games against Juve and Manchester United, bearing in mind where Chelsea came from many years ago and you're in the situation now where you're in a European Cup tie against Juventus and you're in a game against Manchester United where you're expecting to win. There's not many seasons for Chelsea that that has actually happened right. especially before Roman so where we should enjoy this I'm going to enjoy it being there on Tuesday and Sunday and I think as you say the club have got a plan on where to go forward we've spoken about players out on loan like Gallagher and Gilmore who I think unlike Tamore I still think that was a bad decision i think these two players in particular do have futures at the club. Everything's right with Chelsea and me being the horrible cynic that I am, I am just laughing at our rivals. Do you know what I like? I, I don't think there's anything better than walking down the Fulham Road on a Champions League night. Oh. I think it's the most incredible atmosphere. It's three decibels up from a normal league game. The expectation is absolutely you've got a night game, floodlights, and you're playing Juventus. And it's about us as a club on the terracing, in the stands, getting together and intimidating them on and off the field. And I think we'd do that. I think if we win, don't go to an Italian restaurant for the next week. <laughs> But there's some nice Italian restaurants near Chelsea's ground. Let me tell oh, you, there's, uh, there's some lovely ones. Yes. There are. But what I'm saying is we've got to create something on and off the park that makes it unbelievably special. And if we win, then who's, who's to say? I think we would become the first team ever to retain the European Cup. I don't think an English club has retained the European Cup, has it? Uh, not the current format, no. It was Liverpool, was it? Uh, I think it was Liverpool might have done it in the 70s. I know Nottingham Forest did it, uh, but in the current format of the UEFA Champions League. They've always done it in the Champions League, have they? Yeah, no, no, no one has done it. And as you say, you never know. But so, Steve, one thing I did want to talk about on this show, and it's something that is a bit of a hot topic to some, was ticket prices. And the news broke out last week and the fallout has continued on, is the season ticket price hike for the Westview stand, as people call it. It's the actual West Stand Upper, to those that have, that go every week. Um, what it is, Steve, I did want to get your thoughts on it, being a Chelsea fan as well as an ex-Chelsea player. Um, for those that know their history, West Stand Upper was quite notorious for being the most expensive ticket because it had padded seats. And I remember when I went, it used to have the heaters at the top. So when it was like a December game, whatever time it was, you still had sort of the, the extra warmth coming up. But they they changed all they changed all of it. They sort of remodelled it, changed it a little bit in sort of on the concourse and they've changed the seating. I got a, a a message from Chris Mears, who you know as with with the family as well. He sent me an email that he received from Chelsea, and I'll sort of do it in quotes because I've I've got the email here, and it's talking about 
the changes to the Westview season ticket prices. Not the match day as sorts, but that's sort of changed as well. And it's got here, when, and I quote, when the changes were communicated before the start of this current season, we explained that a new pricing model for Westview would be implemented for the 2022-2023 season. To give you plenty of time to review your options, we are now writing to let you know that this pricing module pricing model, excuse me, will be structured. From the 2022-2023 season, Westview will be divided into four areas with Tier 1, which is the halfway line, Tier 2, the 18-yard line, Tier 3, the goal line, and match-by-match seating, which is what I mentioned earlier. Your current season ticket will fall into the Tier 1 category and therefore your price will be £3,900 per seat from next season. Tier 1 season tickets will now include all 19 home Premier League matches, all home domestic cup matches and European group stage home matches with the option to purchase European knockout stages on a match-by-match basis. When the changes come into effect, you will have the following options available to you. Remain in your current seat paying a new price. Move to an alternative seating area in the West View, which you will have priority on. Or move your seats to an alternative stand. End quote. With all that information I've just given, Steve, what's your initial thoughts on it? And I'll give you mine. How much has it gone up by, Keith? So what was Chris in now? Obviously, he's got to pay 3000 Well, the the West End Upper was always the most expensive season ticket. So it was around about 1200 quid. It was around about 1200 to 1300 quid. Yeah. And then at the start of this season, because I got an email from Club Chelsea, the hospitality bit, to say if I if I would be interested, because I've bought seats in that stand before, I got an email to say, would I be interested in purchasing a Westview season ticket or the club packages? And I declined because of the pricing. But they said to me that the prices will increase from next season. I asked how much buy and they said they could not give me a number yet. So it was announced last week on how much they've put the prices up by and I don't I haven't got the information in front of me but I do know for sure that the most expensive uh, match day ticket uh, the most expensive season ticket was between 12 to 1300 quid. Now the fact that even with a tier 1 that's 3,900. That's the most expensive season ticket. Tier 2 and Tier 3, I can actually have a look if you want me to, Steve, while you let us know what your thoughts are on this incredible price hike, which, again, there's people that I know that sit in the West End Upper that have got families that are not from the business side whereby they're not earning 60, 70, 80,000 a year. They're on modest wages. And now they're being told your season ticket's going to cost this price. What's your thoughts on it, Steve, before we... Uh, I, I would appeal, see, you, listen, if they're going to put the season tickets up, <clears throat> you know, which, which, you know, for instance, I know for a fact that the season tickets at Spurs and Arsenal are absolutely, they're up there with that sort of money for the corporates. Um... But <clears throat> I would like to see where the loyalty is in terms of how long have those Chelsea fans had that, that ticket. Um, and in many cases, it's a family thing that they keep going through the family. How long they've had the ticket um, and look after them. But if you've got two little boys who are football mad and Chelsea mad and you take them to, you know, to watch Chelsea play, well, you're paying a fortune, aren't you? You're paying an absolute fortune. Uh, and I think what they're doing is they're making that section a corporate section. Yes. And they want to use that for businesses, which I find really sad because, I, you know, even when I go to football now, there are faces that I've seen for years and years and years at Chelsea. Um, and it's those type of people that, you know, that, that, that are being left behind because of the prices and uh, I'm not a lover of nouveau Chelsea fans that, that like the thousands of Man United fans that only went with Man United because they were winning trophies. 
it's the real people, the real supporters that are going to get, you know, stung with this. I'm just looking here on again with the fallout with because it's been a few days since the announcement was made, and there's people that are obviously against the ticket prices but there are some that have turned around and said that the club has given us plenty of notice if you don't like what they're offering move somewhere else move to another stand well that's all very well said and done but if you're a season ticket holder for the past 25 years just for example and you've had that particular seat why should you move you know I I, I think you know I think there's when if someone's been there for ten years, let's say ten years, I think there should be compensation. If they want them to move and they want to incorporate, you know, more more uh, as I see it, affluent wealthy people within Stamford Bridge, and they've had that season ticket for ten twenty years, I think they should pay them some compensation, hmm. or say to them, right, what we're going to do for the next three years, you pick a seat. Anywhere in the ground, and it's free. Right, and you and and you pick up the fourth year, mm. or something like that, because you just can't go to someone that has supported Chelsea for twenty years and say, "Oh, by the way, we're moving you." That's mm. not right. I've got the new prices. I've got um, all three tier prices. So the tier one we've just spoke about, three thousand nine hundred. That's on the halfway line. The eighteen yard line. That's tier two. That's 3,000. And the goal line, and between the goal line to where the stand ends, which is tier three, is 1,500. Even that, I think, is a bit... I think it's taking the piss, to be perfect. Because that's half price from the 18-yard line to the goal line, which isn't that long, to be honest. Look at the distance to it. But then... Goal line to halfway line, the, uh, the, the comparing it, it's the same stand. It's the same yeah. stand, but it's different pricing tickets. I, I just find it staggering that yeah. the club, bearing in mind what they've gone trying to appease the fans with what happened with the Super League fiasco and trying to appease the fans, the issue that happened with the Crystal Palace um, first home game and there were certain sections of the Matthew Harden and in both uh, in the lower sections where they couldn't get their tickets. It's just a cock up after cock up after cock up with, with the Chelsea supporters when it comes to Chelsea and people will say, well, again, if you don't like the, the new prices sit somewhere else, but that's not the point. No, and I just no. feel that this Westview and I haven't been in it yet. I've been offered a ticket. <laughs> I've declined because I've, I was um, already sorted out for a ticket, but I know that, they've changed the concourse to make it more corporate and they've got, there was even rumors that they were even thinking of having a dress code for the West view. So whereby you're allowed to wear a home strip or whatever, but you wouldn't be allowed to wear anything extravagant, you know, something that wouldn't be too blase and too in your face, Chelsea. It would be more, more formal, more courteous, to other people sort of type of deal. And as you say, I just think that this is another way of Chelsea trying to get more corporate people, the ones that only go to football because they can get free tickets or the fact that maybe their boss is going and if your boss wants them to go, whatever. I just think it's just a bloody shame because I've been to the West Stand up on so many occasions. I've been to some fantastic games. The atmosphere isn't, great you know you don't get a lot of chanting you don't get a lot of singing but the view is fantastic i'm I'm, I'm, by all beings the view is wonderful but not for that price and i know the match day prices the most expensive is around 60 to 65 pounds the liverpool tickets which i know is which will be on sale as we're recording or are on sale excuse me the most expensive is seventy pounds, and that's in the West View. I, I just find it. I just find it. It's <clears throat> it's a it's a Chelsea real Chelsea fan that that 
always, always get stung. And as you said, you know, they're such a wealthy club. They, they run that club unbelievably. I honestly believe that if I've had that season ticket for, say, for five years, ten years, there should be a compensation package if they want to move you. Um, you know, even like a thousand pounds or 500, what is that to them? Seriously, what is that to them? Or you've got a season ticket free for two years because of your loyalty to the club. You've been there 10 years, 15 years, 20 years. We're going to do this for you. But there's no thought of that. And that's what upsets me. You're real Chelsea fan. You know, the cheapest tickets, what, 70 quid? That's that for right? the West Stand Upper, yeah. Yeah, so you take, you've been taking your boys there. That's £210. That's without drinks and everything. And it's going up. Well, they've yeah. they've they've changed the concourse of it, and they've they've you know, they've improved the Wi-Fi in the stand. The yeah. from what I can understand, the burger slash pie stand in the concourse is a lot better than what it is in the shed upper, for example. Yeah. And you know they're ju- they're trying to justify it by saying, "Yeah, this is the price that you're going to have to pay to sit there." Unfortunately, so, unfortunately, Keith, uh, there's a, a a very big waiting list for Chelsea season tickets. The, they could sell that ground two, three times over. Oh, yes. No, I'm aware of that. <laughs> so, so, therefore, they're blasé about everything. Um, and as I said, you know, the one thing in football that really upsets me is, is your tr- true fans that are getting stung and priced, priced out of the game. Mm. That That's the sad thing. Your real fans. Mm. You know, all these corporate as Roy Keane famously said one day, prawn uh, sandwich people, you know, that that's that's what football is becoming. It's becoming the biggest sport, especially the Premier League. You know, it's the biggest selling programme on TV worldwide. And they're making, this is what upsets me, is that I don't think they've ever sold it for more than what they've done globally this year. So therefore they're getting more money. Yet it's the, 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 middle-class Chelsea fans that are getting stung. Hmm. And, and if you've got a family... Oh, you've even, got no No. I mean, even if you've got a family of two kids yeah, and you want to take them, you're, you're not... For every game, you're looking at at least 150, 200 quid, and that's without food. That's with... And also, that, that burger bar you're talking about being upgraded, that means they're going to be more expensive. Yes. So, well, it's bad. Know. Well, it's bad enough now. Them charging five to six pound, even yeah. eight pound. It was eight pound uh, one time for a burger. But yeah. yeah, Steve, there has to be a cut-off point, and I just feel that the more they s- twist the knife in a little bit in regards to changing the prices a little bit, making it more corporate, as 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 we've said, you know, you're just gonna get more neutral guy you know more neutral people uh, coming in and pe- far be it from me to sort of be um discriminatory but you're going to get people from overseas wanting to come over and saying oh this is chelsea this is you know the european champions they're gonna get more chance to go to a game than somebody who has followed Chelsea since the Dave Sexton days, since even you know, even maybe recently, even from the Glenn Hoddle days, there's going to come a point where there's going to be more neutral slash corporate than but you see, Keith, diehard Keith, Chelsea fans go. Yeah, and But those foreign supporters will make a weekend of it. And where yeah. do they stay? They stay in the Chelsea Hotel. So they're getting a double bubble. Yeah. You know, and um, a lot of people will say, well, that's that's good, you know, business. But it's more than that. It's deeper than that. It, it, as I said, there should be some kind of compensation package for the people that have had their tickets in, in that uh, area for 5, 10, 15, 20 years. Hmm. And it's those people that need to be looked after. All right, if they're going to move, they're going to move. But, you know... Look after them because they've supported you for the last 10, 15, 20 years. So make sure they're looked after. Well, we'll see where it goes. The one thing I will say as well, Steve, I've been to Chelsea a couple of times 
And to be fair, the, the atmosphere has been pretty ordinary. <clears throat> and I think if you're getting corporates and people that are neutral coming into that ground in their numbers like they're doing, the passion and the atmosphere at Stamford Bridge is going to be lost. And what we've got to do and what the team will need is that to be a cauldron. It's got to be a scary place to come. But, you know, to me, the difference between a Champions League night and a, a Premier League game, it's chalk and cheese. The, the, the one of the best uh, atmospheres I've heard at Chelsea for years was when we beat Barcelona. And that was a very special night when John Terry scored the winning goal. Oh, uh, wow. 2005, yeah. It was the best atmosphere, I think, going back to when we beat Liverpool in the FA Cup. The atmosphere that day was unbelievable. But I've been to um, um, to league games, and to be fair, the atmosphere is ordinary. It's ordinary. And, you know, that to me is when you get corporates in, you're a little bit shy to have a good cheer, a little bit shy to have a good thing, uh, and you lose your passion and, you, you know, uh, so... But that's that. It's a, that's very sad news, though. That's very sad. Well, unfortunately, unlike the Super League debacle, I can't see Chelsea backing down on this. So this is something that Chelsea have decided to do. It's something that they've had planned for quite some time. And you know, listen, if you've got the money, four grand a season to to afford it. I mean, Christ. I mean, if you. Just think of it, if you've just got a family of four and you've got to pay four grand each, I'm just, cry. It's, just, it's, it's just mind-boggling. But um, hopefully, you know, we might even hear some stories from Chelsea fans on the podcast maybe this season on whether they're going to stick to their seats or whether they're going to move. But hopefully when I'm at the ground or other people in relation to the podcast are at the ground, you know, hopefully we'll sort of hear some more stories and hopefully maybe, as you say, there may be some compensation put out by the club. I don't I don't don't think they will, but there's gotta be there's gotta be something there for as you say, somebody who's been there for twenty years. Oh, it's got to be. There's got yeah. to be. If, yeah. if they if they didn't do that, then I I just think the whole club ethic is just Word is cold, no feeling. Cold, cold and cold and corporate. Yeah, yeah. I, I think we'll end it at that. Cold and corporate, eh, Steve? Yeah, I agree, hundred percent, Keith. Right, we're going to end it on that because otherwise we'll be talking for hours about how we can have beat Manchester United and how it's a shame that Harry Maguire isn't playing because that would give us more of a chance to win. But. <laughs> In regard to the Blue Day podcast, you can listen to us on YouTube. You can listen to us uh, anywhere you find your favourite podcast. We are potentially going to um, have a new way of listening to us come the start of 2022. More info on that as soon as I get the green light to say it. Um, in regards to potential interviews, we are looking at more interviews coming up between now and Christmas, there's some big names that I'm currently talking to at the moment. So we're hoping to get them on the show between now and Christmas. So that'll be good for you to listen to us during eating your mince pies and watching the crap on the telly. But also, we're going to have some a few more shows with myself and Steve between now and Christmas as well. And hopefully we'll be back next week, probably after the Man United game. So we might do one potentially um, midweek or we might even do it sort of afterwards because there's, there's a lot of games coming up as well. You've got Juventus, Man United, Watford and West Ham. They're our next four games. So might even do one after the West Ham game, after the London derby, Steve. What do you yeah, think? Yeah, So you can find us, like I said, anywhere you find your favourite podcast. You can find us on Instagram. We've got some, some great sort of images on there from... Yesteryears, and also with potential with um, interviews as well that we've had. You can find us on Facebook, where you can find also our interviews as well. Find us on facebook.com slash the Blue Day Podcast. You can find us on Twitter at Blue Day Podcast. But I have been Keith Lawrence. He has been Steve Wicks. Keep the blue flag flying high. Stay safe and carefree.
This podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. Sports Social Podcast Network.